A very big welcome to my guest today, the one and only Simon Church. He is ex-pro footballer and now a property investor and developer. So welcome to my lovely studio, Simon. Thank you very much for having me. It's lovely. And we met on Instagram, didn't we? Yes, <laughs> we did. very modern. Yeah. Well, I was a big fan of, I think I mentioned to you, I was a big fan of what you were doing and I just lurk in the background, not in a strange way, <laughs> um, but I lurked in the background, just followed it. And as I was playing at the time, I was really interested in, in the industry and people who are disrupting it and doing, you know, really well in it. So it's great to, to get to know you as well. Yeah, no, it's, re- it's been really good to meet you. And I, have to, I have to tell you about when I got your message. So you messaged me on Instagram and obviously I checked out who you were first before I replied. And I was sitting with my kids at the dinner table at the time, not on my phone, but on my phone at the dinner table. I know it's terrible, but uh, my three kids, my two boys and a girl, are absolutely football mad, especially my daughter. She's really into it. And I was at the table and I got this message from you going, I'm a huge fan. And I put my phone down and I went, oh my God, (laughs) this pro football is a fan. And my kids are just going, no, no. That's not true. And I showed them. They're going, wow, mum, respect. Yeah. <laughs> so it was hilarious. Just, um, oh, yeah. So nice. anyway, it was so, I, I had a fangirl moment when I met you as well. Oh. And got all giggly and blushy and going, oh, he's such a lovely guy. But anyway, <laughs> we met and uh, you then beautifully uh, agreed to come on my panel at the Canary Wharf PPN. And you spoke there with um, David Stockdale, Carl Hutchings and uh, Richard Thorpe, who's the rugby player. And we had a really good discussion, so I thought it'd be great to follow that up with a podcast and just let everyone hear about you mm-hmm. and just some of the really positive uh, measures that you're making to help other footballers as well uh, sort out their careers after football. So why don't you give us a bit of background and talk about um, your your career as a footballer and how, how, you, how you became a footballer? Yes, yeah, it's, it, it's something that I've always dreamt of doing from a young age I think um, I started playing with with my local football team about age five um, since then I was I was hooked um, any chance I could I was outside kicking a ball um, whether that's in the garden smashing the, the windows at the house a lot of the time I, I still, I'll probably still do that now uh, in the garden but um, yeah any chance I could I was playing football and it grew into something, you know, that I was just addicted to. I had the wallpaper, I had the posters, I had the bed linen, the, everything. And who was your team? It was Man United at the okay. time. Okay. Um, but I was I was born and raised in, in Wickham, so I used to go down to Wickham Wanderers quite, quite a lot. At the time, they weren't a big club. Um, but I got picked up at the age of eight for Wickham Wanderers uh, in their academy. So I started doing that. Uh, two or three times a week and then playing on a Saturday and then when I was about 11 it turned into a serious thing I thought you know I've got a good chance it's so early but at that age you don't think anything of it you think I'm playing for a professional team here you know this is what I want to do this is going to be not easy but I'm in I'm in a good situation now I want to carry it on and, and you've then, got children yourself don't you I've got you've two got children two, yeah two yeah. daughters two daughters and would you encourage them to do the same thing um I think now that I'm at, now that I'm out of football I think if I had yeah I don't think I would to be honest mm. I don't think I would just because you might think from the outside being a professional footballer is an amazing life and career it's a I, I've 
experienced amazing things through football, but I've also experienced a lot of negative stuff. I've been away from my family. I haven't been able to take my children to school. You get a lot of criticism, a lot of negativity you in the sport. You have to be thick-skinned, You have to be you? so thick-skinned. The Twitter um, trolls, my goodness, oh, they're ruthless. Well, I, I can remember I had... Um, I had issues when I was when I first broke into the first team at around nineteen twenty, and you do as a young player, you always look at the the forum, see how you do. Um, social media was starting to kick off at that time, and I can just remember just seeing all that I thought I did okay, and you just see the comments and you think straight away. It doesn't matter what kind of person you are. As soon as you read a, a negative comment comment about yourself, you forget all the positive ones. You do, you and you get a hundred positive ones or ninety nine in that one, isn't it? It just really cuts you. Oh, it cuts you, yeah. And you kind of, especially when you're younger, it's it's hard to deal with, mm. and it does take it does take its toll on your performances as well. I mean. When I was younger, I, I managed to break into around 20 years old. I managed to break into the Reading team, and I played. I was playing for Wales consistently as well. And um, I was going through a tough time anyway, personal reasons. I lost my dad to cancer at 20, um, and this is going about. You know, there's a lot of talk in mental health and things like that. And I think at 20 years old, I I was coming to a stage where I was my performances were struggling. Um, you know, I had issues at, at home that I was coping with. And then you get also the negativity from the fans and things like that. And as a 20-year-old footballer, it's really common that you feel like you can't talk to anyone. If you talk to someone in football, you're seen as weak. It might affect your starting position on the weekend. If I went to the manager and said, as a 20-year-old trying to, trying to break through and start his career, if I went to the manager and said, listen, we, we call the manager Gaffer. Mm-hmm. Listen, Gaffer, if my head's not in it, I've got issues at home and things like that. He'll say, well, okay, well, you won't play this weekend then. Mm. And you kept, as soon as you're kept away, that, that could be you losing your place okay. and you're not Question able to Question marks yeah. over you. And, and it's, and it's, it's such it's a shame. It's this man-up type culture, is it? Yeah, you're seen, as, you're seen as weak. I think it's starting to turn a little bit, but not, not too much. I think you're seen as weak and you don't want to, you know, drag the other players down with your with your mentality or, or th- something like that. So, as a player, you keep it in, and it does affect it does affect you. Yeah, I've I've looked at um, I'm friends with David Stockdale, as you know, who plays for Bristol. Yeah, Bristol, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I've looked at some of the tweets he gets, and I've had a conversation with him about them. People telling him to go kill himself and mm. commenting on every little aspect of him personally and and professionally and i he actually reads every single one and say that he says that they fuel him whereas i find the reverse i find that just not reading them and just blocking them out would be more beneficial to me but i don't know maybe i'm weak <laughs> no but, it's, but people people deal with it in different ways i think i was a, at the beginning i i took everything to heart i just wanted to please everyone um you know I, I wanted to play well because people were supporting me, paying money to go watch me. I wanted to do well. And if I was getting negative comments, I took it personally. I thought, I'm not doing good enough here. But then it gets to the stage where even if you're doing well and you're you know, you're know, scoring goals or playing well or, or being successful like you are, you're going to have people who, regardless of, of what they think, they're going to be negative yeah, towards exactly. you. My, one of my best friends for my birthday gave me a, a special spoon 
And uh, she sent me this thing that said, you can't please everyone, you're not Nutella. <laughs> and then my special spoon's got Nicole's Nutella spoon oh, <laughs> engraved no. on it. And I always think about that because, yeah, we, you're not Nutella. You can't please everyone. But it's really hard to get to that realisation, isn't mm. it? Yeah, it is. And I think you uh, I think you probably have to go through that stage as well of, of having to learn, in, learn to deal with it. I mean, it, it's something that's never going to stop. I mean, I've retired now since, uh, for about six months and I'm still getting it now um, on my social medias and, and things like that. And, it, you know, it's just, it's just part and parcel of being someone in the public eye and... Uh, <laughs> You just got to get on with You've got to take the highs, the, the lows with those highs. Yeah, exactly. It's just part and parcel. Yeah, you, you can't put yourself out there as a public figure and uh, not expect to have a little bit of mud slung. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, but like David was saying, I, I kind of enjoy it now. I, I laugh at it. Yeah, I laugh at <laughs> it because some of the stuff is just ridiculous. I, I, I mean, it, I, I couldn't... I couldn't mention it in, in public <laughs> but it's yeah it's things like that it's just ridiculous <laughs> it's so ridiculous. untrue and ungrounded really it's, yeah it's just it is funny and so let's go back to uh, your career so you started at 11 and uh you signed professionally with reading did you say, no yeah with reading at 11 yeah no well, i that um, was sorry that i was, was with, after. yeah yeah <laughs> i was with wick and wanderers up, up to uh 14 where I had to kind of start sacrificing things at, at 12, 13. I couldn't play for my local team anymore. I had to just play for Wickham Wanderers. At 14, I, I moved to Reading um, as part of a, a, a deal. Um, from 14, yeah, to 16, I, I thought I've, I might have a chance here. And then at 16, I got offered a... a well, 15, I got offered a scholarship um, to go in full-time. Um, so that affected my schoolwork a little bit because I thought, what's a the point? Bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the point in going to school? I'm going to be a footballer. Yeah, that's right. um, at the time, my teachers didn't believe me, didn't didn't believe in me to say, you know, you've got to carry on doing this. I was quite, you know, focused. This is all I ever wanted to do. I uh, wasn't interested in anything else. Um, so 16, yeah, got got my two year scholarship deal, and then at 18, I got a professional contract. Um, then I started going on on loan. Mm -hmm. So you go and get experience um, at professional teams. I went to uh, went on loan four times and then got recalled and got my start at, at Reading at nineteen twenty. Wow, that's incredible. That must have yeah. just been such a high. And I we had a question at the Canary Wharf PPM, which was quite interesting. It's about whether now you've exited, how you replace those highs that you must get from this this elation that you get from playing and winning and being yeah you know, in the on the top of your game, and how do you replace that now? Yeah, that, that is such a hard question to answer because it's something I've been so used to for since sixteen, so thirteen years, full time. It's, it is a roller coaster. You, you get your highs one week, you play well, you score a goal. Next week, yeah, you have a shocker, and you're back down there, and it, it is a roller coaster. I mean, it, it, now I've come out of it, and I think, well, where am I going to get that buzz of of walking out in front of fifty thousand people or scoring a goal or or something like that? It is. People say it's like a drug. It, it, it gives you a feeling that's like no other. Um, to replace that now, I mean, the closest thing for me is I'm at home. I get to spend it with the kids. I get to take the kids to school. Um, you know, catch up on things that I've that I've missed over the years. I mean, I moved I moved abroad. I went to Holland for a year. Um, 
spent time in Scotland. A lot of the time is traveling. So um, it's nice to be at home. I think I think that's a that's a big, you know, positive that's come out of it. Yeah, that's exactly what Carl Hutchings said, that when he quit and uh, stormed out of the dressing room, he just couldn't wait to take his kids to school. And, yeah, that's really interesting. As a mum who does the school run, mm. that's the last thing I want to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, my, my missus is exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. She hates it every morning. But at least now I'm there to kind of watch her do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how did you get your start in property and what was it that prompted that? Yeah, so it, it is. Um, I, I signed a, a really good deal at Reading at twenty years old. I signed a five-year deal, and I thought, okay, now's the time we're going to buy my first house. Um, Not Ferraris. Well, yeah, I went and got a, <laughs> I went and got a big Range Rover as well, and you know, it's part and parcel. I think at that age, you kind yeah, of exactly you have to reward it, yourself. You've That's got to a reward yourself. Yeah, and I was doing well at the time, and I thought, you know what, I can I can do it. Why not? <laughs> must have looked about 15 in that oh, range I, did. I got pulled over so many times <laughs> I mean I still do 19 now, now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the lack of gr- uh, facial hair I think it is it kills me even now I'm nearly 30 but um yeah at that age I wanted to go and buy a, a penthouse in in Reading and you you know all that kind of thing and and my dad turned around to me and said no we're not doing that we're um we're going to go and buy a repossession rundown place. We'll do a little bit in it and you're going to live in it for a year. And I was like, oh, okay, dad, I'm doing really well. I can't, I can't go. And we found it doesn't the place. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't. And we found, we found a really, um, really good repossession in, in Bracknell, which is close to Reading where I was playing. And I looked at it and as a 20 year old uh, thinking, I just looked at it and thought, what am I doing here buying this? And we in the end we we got it at a good price. Um, went in there. We did a little bit of refurbishment to it, and since I did the refurbishment, got in there, kind of sat back in my first night, and I thought, do you know what? I love doing this. I like. I absolutely love it. Uh, lived in that for a year. Things got things got better. Um, but your mates were quite amused, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually had a roommate. So at the time, it was uh, Gilfie Sigerson who plays for Everton. Um, he used to live with me and he I think he was a little bit embarrassed as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, come live with me. You know, I tried to charge minimal rent and uh, we had a great time in that house. And then it got to the stage where I've got, I've got to move out of here. So um, <laughs> what I stupidly did, I went and got a penthouse in Ascot instead. <laughs> but um, yeah, since then I started accumulating over over the years of, of you know, little buy-to-lets, uh, a couple of refurbishments. Uh, I've bought some property up up in the northeast as well, and now now I'm out of the game. Uh, I'm tw- I'm 29. I want to kind of really accelerate my my property um, ventures into into loads of different things. I've I've done a lot of learning over the last couple of years. I've experienced um, you know different things. I've uh, I've learned a lot, and my education in the industry is, is growing every day. So it's something that I'm very kind of passionate about, which is nice to have because as foot, as footballers, all you think about, all you know, and all you're passionate about is football. And I think uh, when I came towards the end, I'm glad I, I've had an interest in property because I had to retire suddenly. If I Yeah, that was quite an abrupt stop, wasn't it? Yeah, I, ha- I had an issue for years, but I never thought it would kind of stop me from playing. I had surgery about two yeah about two years ago um I went to the European Championships with with Wales 
um, played in the semi-final against Portugal, which was, you know... Uh, what it, a dream. <laughs> it's a dream come true. It's, it's quite cringy when I when I tell people, you no, know. No, incredible. But it is, it's incredible. I, I mean, if I could retire, I should have retired then. But after that, I went to Holland and got injured after four games. And after that, I kind of thought, you know what, I'm, I'm probably not going to get back from this. And I went to... Um, I couldn't get a club. A lot of club. I didn't play for a year. I couldn't get a club. A lot of clubs were rejecting me because of my hips. They said we're not paying you this money. Um, and then I, luckily, I got a few clubs. And in the end, I just couldn't. I couldn't move and 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 perform at the you know the ability that I knew I could. And I, I was chasing something that just couldn't Wasn't happen there. anymore. Yeah. No, you you were saying to me before that you can't run now. Yeah, just, I've I've literally been advised to to do no kind of impact sport, no running. My hips, my hips are in that bad a condition that I'll probably need a hip, hip replacement in a couple of years as well. That's incredible. And so now, how do you? So obviously, when I don't exercise for a while, I start feeling a bit foggy in the brain, <laughs> and I have to just be, do something strenuous. And how do you find now that you're able to deal with that? Having your body's been this finely conditioned machine for so many years, and now you're not able to even run. How how do you deal with that now? Yeah, it's, I used to be able to grate cheese on my tummy, and now it, <laughs> <laughs> now it's just a big blobby mess. I mean, yeah, well, you've had two kids. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I haven't physically had them. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is it is hard. I think uh, as an athlete, you're you're doing it every day, and you, it just becomes part part and parcel. I mean, after after you train, you go in the gym. Um, you're always getting better. You're always getting tested on your on your fats, and you have to be in you know real good condition to to else you get you get um you get penalised financially and and really? yeah and you you are made to run if you're in the fat club which we had. <laughs> hey, yeah, that, David yeah, and I have spoken about, about that. that. <laughs> you have to run. You have to do extra to burn the fat off to be in a. So you're always watching what you eat. You're always kind of making sure you're in the gym. Uh, me, I put on weight quite easily, so I'm always kind of, you know, I was always in the gym doing my extra bit. <laughs> in the fat club, but <laughs> fat club. I know it's not great, is it? And you don't want to be seen in the fat club. But um, is there a certain amount of kudos to being in the fat club or not? Nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, because all you, you know, you're just going to get worked even harder. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, now I've come out of it. I thought, you know what? I'm going to give my body a rest. I literally haven't done anything f- since May, and I feel like you're saying you get a little bit. I feel horrific. Yeah. I feel horrific sometimes. I get up and I'm like, I'm a bit. T- I'm really tired. I'm not really doing anything physically <laughs> demanding. Um, so now I'm going to get myself back into doing. Uh, you know, like Pilates and all these kind of things that will help my, uh, help my hips. And... Yeah, Pilates and some yoga with some yeah. hip strengthening. I did those yesterday and started oh, hurting. Yeah, oh, really? Oh, no, I feel you, <laughs> It's really good. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's good for the mind as well. Yeah. So there you go. Maybe exactly. we can do, yeah, we'll, we'll sort out some group yoga classes oh, and, good, and get yeah. you started. <laughs> yeah, I need it. <laughs> and so you... Um, you're one, you were one of the smart ones because the statistics show that 64% of footballers uh, are bankrupt within five years of leaving football. And I had a great discussion with Richard Thorpe on this about how it's it's uh, NFL players, it's within two years they're bankrupt. So it seems like the more you earn, the quicker you lose it. But you were one of the smart ones and luckily had your father there to give you advice and you invested in property. 
how many other people can you see, how many of your colleagues were also smart enough to invest, if it not be in property, in something else that um, prolonged their career? Do you know what? It's, it's, <laughs> there's, there's not many. A lot, a lot are accidental landlords because of the travelling and um, moving clubs a lot. They, they do tend to buy a lot of houses and then, and then rent them out without kind of understanding the whole process and how to manage it all. They just buy a house, oh, I'm moving now, I'll rent it out or sell it. Um, there's there's a, a lot of entrepreneurs in the, in the football industry, um, but there's not a lot that kind of do anything with it. I mean, the amount of players that I'm seeing now, uh, so what I basically do now is help professional athletes build portfolios and and give them kind of a second secondary source of income for when they retire because the the, the drop from playing for professional sport and getting paid you take it for granted because as soon as it's gone you're thrown out into the the the, the world without any understanding on and what you're to do again, and aren't you, you? you are from literally scratch. starting and it must to... be a massive blow to your ego as well because it's your whole identity's gone Oh, it's gone, and and no one cares when no. when you're out the game. No one cares. So there's no support. There's no kind of help. I mean, I, since I've retired, I've had probably one one club uh, read read in, reached out, and just you know just ask how I was doing, if they could help with anything. But that that was it. The one person. No one else has kind of said, "Can we help you with anything? Are you interested in anything else? Can we support you in any way?" N- no one. And I mean, I played at you know, at thirty-eight caps internationally. I played, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's it's such a strange industry and such a bubble that once you're out of it, you don't realise what the real world is. No, exactly. And that's kind of the message that I'm trying to help to Get to across. to players and and start thinking about you know. When your career's finished, you're finished. Yeah. You've got to have something else. You've got to have a focus on something else. You've got to have something bringing your income because I know a lot of people from outside the sport will say, well, they get paid loads of money. How is this happening? But everyone lives to their means. They do. And as soon as that's gone, your your bills are up here, you know, and then suddenly you've got nothing coming in and you just, it doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank, it will, it will go quickly. That's right. And we've got another mutual friend, Steve Howard, who is also doing a similar thing Mm. where he's helping footballers um, have a second career and a second form of income. And I know you've done some work with him as well. But the um, I remember him saying to me that he missed the birth of his children because he had to play and his wife was in labor and he, he was just told you are not to leave. You have to play. And then also years ago, I don't think this happens anymore. You would be you could be traded Without mm. your permission, so he he remember he was he landed in America or something and found out he'd been traded and he has to uproot his family and move, and no he wasn't given any choice in that matter and it's it yeah it's some people find it hard to feel sorry for you guys yeah <laughs> I know I get it because you earn so much yeah but if you look at it in its entirety it's it's a re- look I wouldn't wish it on my children uh, going back to the very first thing it's a really it's a tough life. Mm. Uh, but you are well rewarded, but for only a short, short period. Yeah. It's a short period. It's it's such a cutthroat industry where your career is effectively in someone else's hands because it doesn't matter if you're a good player or not, if you don't fit in the team or the club or the manager doesn't you know, like you as a player or accept you as a person, then you can be pushed aside. I mean, I can remember I, ha- I had it quite a few clubs where... 
I can remember at one club, I came in one day, I was number nine, I was the main striker. We had a change of owners, change of manager. Next day I came in, my number had changed, which is unheard of. And I was training by myself. I was told, you need to leave. We can't, we don't want to be paying your wages anymore. Um, and I was training by myself every weekend, so I stopped playing. This went on for about a year. Um and I had it at another club as well where I kind of thought, you know, they wanted me to sign a contract. I didn't agree to the terms. And for that, I was punished to kind of banish by myself, go and train with the kids, train by yourself. If you're not going to sign what we give you, you're not going to be part of our team then. And it's, it's incredible. I mean, people say about loyalty in, in sport and, you know, fans are quick to criticise players who leave. And players, players literally, just like you were saying there, it's a short career. If you've got an opportunity to go and earn more and play at a higher level, you have you to have do to that because you, you never know when it's going to end. That's right. And this is the point that I think uh, from our discussions earlier that a lot of football players and athletes, rugby players, etc., they they trust their management too much and don't understand that ultimately their life is their life and the rest of their life is theirs. Their manager's not going to be interested once they've retired. The manager's only interest, I'm generalising, is in their player at the very at that time. So the advice that they're going to give the player is quite short-term in nature as well. It's just the way it's going to be. So what do you think footballers need to do or other pro athletes need to do in order to take some responsibility for their future? I think they need to seek other kind of opportunities outside what they're doing. I think we're so kind of pushed into such a diligent, routine life that, you know, we're told when to eat, what to eat, when to sleep, where to be at this time. It's so regimented that your focus is just purely on football training, the match on Saturday, the match on Tuesday. And I think we don't allow ourselves to know what else is out there. I mean, there's a few players who have done really well. We've got great companies from from outside, but it's not it's not enough, and there's not enough people interested in other things. And I don't know why that is. And I think it's just pure. It must be purely just because we're so focused on what we're doing that we don't allow ourselves to to learn or or get involved in any kind of other space. And do you find though that the young footballers are receptive? You were really lucky. You had your father who who guided you and you respected mm. his advice. But do you think now when you're going in and speaking to footballers that um, these 19, 20-year-olds are, are listening and, and interested and even aware? I, I wouldn't go into football clubs and, and preach because I know for a fact that it would just go in one ear and out the other. And who am I to stand in front of people and say, you've got to do this, you've got to do that? Because... I can remember when I was 19, 20 and people were talking and I was just like, yeah, yeah, good one. I just want to, yeah, you know. Yeah, leave I, me alone. I want to play the yeah, Xbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's true. But I think I think now we're kind of getting to the stage that, you know, back then it was different to what it is now. I think the opportunities with social media, with these kind of marketing opportunities just allows you to open your... You you are effectively a brand. As a, as a footballer now, You're you are a brand. So I think a lot of things can come from that. Whether they realise that, I don't know. I think there's a lot of opportunity for younger players to to seek other um, experiences, opportunities. Again, it's up to their management, their agents, 
will they allow them to do that? But also it's got to come from the player. The player's got to be interested in something else. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting to try and talk to younger players. I think they are receptive because they've seen my story. I've, I had to retire without any kind of warning or anything like that. And luckily enough, I had a property portfolio to fall back on. Otherwise, I'd be scrambling. And if I didn't have another interest, yes, I've got, I've got um, you know, a little bit of security, but that will run out eventually. So luckily, I've, I have, you know, pursued this outside of football. No, exactly. And so tell me what the future holds for you. Um. <laughs> You know what? It's it's been it's been really kind of exciting for me to see the opportunities outside of football. I mean, I came out uh, publicly in in June, um, retiring. <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> nothing okay. nothing you came else. Out? Yeah, okay. I know, yeah. Have you here? discussed this with your wife? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. It could be There's a pickle some there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, since June, so it's been a couple of months and there's so many opportunities out there. And I I love kind of entrepreneurship. I love the different routes. I love learning. I love being on the ground and and seeing successful people, being around successful people. And, and networking is, as a, as a footballer, networking you, you don't want to do. You go to corporate events and you're just looking at your watch thinking, I can't wait to get home. I can't be bothered to talk to these people. And do you know what? It's one of the biggest regrets I've ever had because since networking and opened myself up to other people and and they everyone has an interest in sport and football, so I can connect on that. But I want to learn from the people in the industry because they're going to help me push forward in what I want, my next venture. No, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you're you're great at these networking events. I've seen you in action, and uh, I think you've touching on personal brand. You've got this really lovely humility and humbleness about you that um, you wouldn't expect from someone who's ridden the highs that you've ridden. So um, it's really refreshing to to hear your take on it and to meet you and and see where you are on your property journey. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've got one last question yeah. for you, if I may, Simon, and that is. Given that you've been successful, this um, might be quite pertinent to you, but what do you define as success? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it's something that if you've got a goal and you reach it, I see see that as successful. I mean, what I wanted to do, I, I always wanted to be a professional footballer. That is all I ever wanted to do. And I don't think I really realized how much I focused and I was dedicated throughout you know from eight years old to 18 years old to achieve my dream which was to be a professional footballer I had a dream of playing in a world cup that didn't happen but I played in the European European (laughs) European championships for semi-final I mean that is a dream come true and I achieved that but I've come out the game now after achieving that thinking I could have achieved a lot more and that's kind of my personality and that's my kind of ambition. And now I'm out of football. That's gone. I've achieved what I've achieved. Now I'm on my next my next kind of venture. And I want to be more successful in life now than what I was in my football career. And I feel like if you've got the mentality, it's all about mentality, isn't it, really? I think if you've got the mentality that you believe you can do something, it's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you certainly have that. And yeah, 
I'm I'm a huge fan, so I'm in, I'm going to enjoy watching you as you as you grow in this property area as well. And hopefully, we can do something together eventually. Yeah. So, Simon, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me.